0: Hi, I'm Azilia.
1: And I'm Iqbal. And this is the He Says,
0: She Says,
1: They Say, say podcast. podcast. Okay, da. Nah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hi, listeners. Welcome to this week's He Says, She Says, They Say podcast. I am extremely delighted to introduce you to our guest, Natasha Shazana, who left New York City to pursue a new venture in Malaysia called Soko. Welcome to the show, Natasha.
2: Thank you so much, Azili and Iqbal, for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Yay.
0: We're excited to have you. Now, could you tell us a little bit more about your startup and what you did previously?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Natasha. I'm the founder of a direct-to-consumer intimate apparel brand based in Malaysia, and we're launching in 2021. And what's different about our brand, Soko, is that we put comfort and real woman representation first. So we're not your Victoria's Secret or your average, you know, mom's bra brand. Prior to that, I was definitely not about selling bras. I was in the finance world as a private equity principal in Morgan Stanley in New York City.
1: Sweet. So the very first guest, very first guest, and you got us like an international badass, like... CEO finance <laughs> expert, huh, Azalea? You couldn't, there was no chill.
0: I'm sorry, should I be apologizing for having friends who are super girls? Either that or guys just need to step up a little bit lah. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Don't mind him, Natasha. He's not as intimidating as he sounds. Although he can be once he goes down a rabbit hole. So, what have you been up to, Iqbal?
1: So, I've been doing a lot of reading and... A- week ago, I came across this really interesting comic that I'm not sure if you guys have ever read before. It's called The Mental Load.
0: Mm, Tell us more about it. What is The Mental Load? All right.
1: I'm going to set a scene. So imagine you guys are home, uh, Azealia, with your imaginary partner and Natasha with your real partner. And, you know, you guys, uh, you're sort of doing the laundry. You, You have the washing machine running. You have a pot on the stove ready for tonight's dinner and then uh you have kids who are crying and they want attention from you and your spouse and you know you're trying to get a handle of all of this and in the meantime your partner is there sitting watching tv and suddenly the pot starts overflowing starts to create a mess and then your partner looks over at you and he goes yo why didn't you get the pot under control and so you go well because i'm doing like a million different things why aren't you helping and then your partner responds with well you should have asked how would you respond to this scenario
2: i would put the the pot over his head yes queen yes
0: queen i completely agree actions speak louder than words showing what is worth
2: (laughs) no but it's definitely a situation that it's too common i think and we a lot of times we're taking that burden, and we feel the need. Like we actually, we feel the desire to take on that burden. But when things start to go wrong, that's when thinking about the our spouse and our partner's involvement, level of involvement. Because a lot of times, I think we're willing to take that on, right? As as women being the primary caretaker takers or caregivers in the family, like I'm willing to do the extra work, and I don't typically complain about it. But um, in a time where like shit hits the fan. That's when you get up. That's when you're like, why aren't you doing anything? So, with you know,
1: that pretty much is what this idea of a mental load is. If this is the first time hearing about it, the mental load is defined as the invisible labor of managing a household and family. So, not only do you have to keep on top of, you know, sending kids to school, or oh, the laundry needs to be done, or, you know, the bathtub needs to be scrubbed, it's also just remembering all of these things remembering everything that needs to be done and making sure that they are done so that in itself is an extra chore on top of everything else that you already have to do and you guys mentioned that this this responsibility typically has fallen on the female spouse more so than men and this is according to research according to studies uh, by the American Sociological Review by like universities such as Oklahoma State and again Natasha you're married and would you say that you've sort of experienced this or you've seen this thing in your own life
2: yeah absolutely I think worry work right which is another word for mental load is this perpetual never-ending list of things that I am worrying about that um you know my partner may not be but if no one worries about it who's gonna get it done who's like how is that going to be taken care of Um, so, uh, you know, for me, it could be as simple as what are we going to have for dinner tonight? Right. It can be something so simple like that, but it's, what are we going to have for dinner every single night, right. For the rest of the week, how are we going to plan the meal plan? Who's going to clean out for me? I don't have children yet, but you know, I have, we have two cats. Like who's going to clean out the, who's going to feed the cats. Let's it's a that never ending like to-do list. And you don't necessarily vocalize it, but you have it for me, at least I actually list it out. I have two, A professional to-do list and a personal to-do list and i have it and i I have that i have that pleasure of like checking it off you know that you know that simple pleasure of taking something off when it's done so my mental load actually goes down i actually like check the box physically for me um so yeah i mean even if not even if you don't have kids i think that mental load is still there
1: to be fair also cats are incredibly demanding so you sort of brought that upon yourself
0: (laughs) it's good practice so does your husband have his own um, to-do list?
2: Yeah, now that you mention it, I don't think he does, to be honest. He is so he is such a deeply analytical person, but he doesn't have the same like level of organization that I do. And it takes me to be like, hey, have you done this? Hey, have you done this? Hey, have you followed up with this person? And that in itself, just me in the act of following up with him is the mental load, right? And I feel like I'm carrying that around with me every day. And because he is my business partner in our startup as well, I'm not only caring, like, hey, when are you going to feed the cats? But I'm also like, hey, when are you going to talk to our website guys? Right. So it's kind of this double, uh, you know, both sides of the spectrum kind of thing. And I have to wear both hats with him. And he doesn't have that list. I'm I am the list, I guess.
1: So I mean, this raises an interesting point in that, like, um, let's really just ask if your husband has his own list, but not trying to make any generalizations do you think that sort of this mental load falls more on the women in a relationship more so than men across the board? Or what do you think?
2: So, like you said, research does prove and has shown, especially now during the time of the pandemic, that the mental load is disproportionately affecting women. And that is a more traditional role. And if you are in a heterosexual relationship, that is likely the case. So I would tend to agree with that, you know, the example I gave earlier about like simple thing like a dinner. You know, I live with my parents right now and even things like dinner falls typically falls on my mom and myself, right? So we organize that and it's not something our, you know, my dad and my husband necessarily even care about like they know dinner's gonna happen we're not gonna starve it's fine it's
0: nothing to worry about because they know they're handing over the mental load to someone else exactly (laughs) exactly you know but then it's like okay you know let's say i'm picking i
2: don't know like nasi lemma or something or whatever chicken parmesan for dinner then i'm gonna be like who's gonna buy the parmesan who's gonna buy the nasi again that mental load is on us to make sure that people are fed at night so
1: how do you think that happened like or why do you think that's happened i mean. Is it just because of the already, uh, yeah, is it already because of already existing gender imbalances or is there other forces at play?
2: I think it's upbringing. Um, maybe you were brought up in a household where you were told to make sure you bring a gift to a friend's house. Make sure if someone who comes to your house is well fed, your spouse is not going to be worrying about that. They can like have water for all they care, right? And then the third one at which I am introducing is I think our generation is seeing that we want to have an equal partnership in our relationships whatever relationship that may be doesn't even have to be husband and wife um so you're seeing that for example where in countries or uh, in systems i guess where there are more where paternity leave or access to paternity leave is more available you're seeing those partners assume those responsibilities much earlier on and not only taking that on when the you know when the child is young but it carries on so they know what that, that they, they know what that workload entails and they're willing to take it on without any complaint, you know, for the rest of the child's life probably. So I think that third factor is really important and something that is more
1: within our generation. So now you're mentioning it sort of within an Asian context, this experience, it's fair to say that it's seen across the board in a variety of different cultures, a variety of different societies. You know, this, this experience is sort of the same uh, but do you think it's especially pronounced in Asian cultures or Asian contexts?
2: Hmm. I'm not I'm not sure. I would love to hear what you guys think on that. Um, I have lived in a lot of different countries, um, so coming back to Malaysia for me after leaving New York has been uh, actually seeing more of those traditional roles pop up, actually. So I would say nowadays in the Malaysian context, I would say yes, but having lived in New York the last six years, Less so, actually, because the people I worked with were these finance, you know, moms who traveled and worked, you know, crazy hours. So it was different there as it is here. So
1: actually, again, you're raising another interesting point is that, you know, now more women are entering the workforce, I guess, because of the state of the economy, both partners need to work. Do you think that's been the reason why more people are becoming aware of this mental load that this issue exists? Versus, you know, back then, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think women are happier to vocalize, that they are perhaps not happy with the way things are set up. You know, again, maybe it's due to their spouse's, again, cultural um, background, their upbringing, and, again, a third factor will come in to maybe change that up, right? You can tell your partner, like, hey, I knew you grew up like this and you were raised this way, but I would like to raise our family this way, and maybe we can make that work. Um, So... Yeah, I think having um, an equal partnership is totally attainable, regardless of what culture you're
1: in. So right now we've been talking about the mental load within the context of, you know, spousal relationship. We've been talking about it in the context of households. But Natasha, you run your own business. Do you think this sort of phenomenon exists in a workplace level? I mean, obviously it exists like managers having to take on the mental load of actually managing the business while their employees, you know, just handle the day to day of their own individual tasks. But maybe among colleagues, do you think that there's an imbalance here somewhere? Yeah,
2: I would say actually that instead of it being focused more on colleagues, it feels like worry work in my own head, in high pressure situations or in situations where you need to impress you know especially being not at the top of the hierarchy right like not a director level if you're an analyst or associate or you know junior level staff you're, you're pretty much in a position to impress like most of the time on your day job so in a corporate role I actually feel like the mental load is more short-term focused so I would say you know things like I mean so for me in my finance world, I was in in a client facing position, I was always worried about, was there enough pitch books for everyone in the meeting? Who's taking all the notes here? You know, why didn't someone, you know, set the, the presentation up the way it should have been set up? Did the package arrive at the hotel yet or not? Like, these are the things that other people on my team did not worry about, but I did. And I was the only female on my team.
0: And why did you feel like you had to take on that burden yourself? I
2: wanted to make sure that everything was run smoothly I have this pressure on myself to make sure that things turn out great. Not just good, but great. And I don't know if it's a woman thing or a personality thing, but settling for like good enough, and like, yeah, someone will figure it out. No need to worry about it. that's not That's not a characteristic of mine. And I think a lot of women may share that same trait.
0: Uh, no, I think it's a Natasha thing. I'm fairly <laughs> confident. <laughs> okay, so my understanding is that it's clear that you have a tendency to actively take on additional responsibilities despite zero expectations from team members.
2: Yeah, and I want to make my team look good. I want to make myself look good. I want to make my boss look good. You know, there's no room for being mediocre. It's that feeling that, like, no one else
0: on the team cares, but you do. Well, without wanting to state the obvious, do you think it'll be better if or more preferable, if there was someone in the team who matched your own aspirations?
2: 100%, yes.
0: And I actually felt that when I
2: was leaving this role to pursue the startup, we had to hire someone else. And in the interview process, I, you know, there were people just like me who were willing to go the extra mile to make sure the details were covered. And you know, we ended up hiring those two people. And as soon as we did the, transfer, the transition period, it was like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders I was like wow these people care about the little things that I cared about that no one else on the team cared about so there are and actually one was male and one was female so I think it's I don't know if it's necessarily gender in the workplace that you know uh, in terms of the mental load split but it's you know it's, it's there is a distinction between people that care about it and people that don't care.
0: I suppose the mental load becomes lesser when someone tries to put themselves in your shoes but what would your advice be for those who are confident enough to take on the load themselves?
2: Yes, I think it's helpful. You know, you, you can take that and put that into, a, again, a personal relationship context as well. And if you find a co-founder in the startup sense, right, who will, is willing to take on the same mental load, that is very helpful. Um, but at the same time, if you're willing to bear the burden yourself and, you know, as long as you don't build resentment internally, I think you're fine. So it's really up to you is what you, what you can tolerate. Okay,
1: so we've sort of spoken about mental load in the context of, uh, you know, romantically and then now professional, professionally and then now uh, do you think this also exists within like a social context like the only one I can think of maybe is like if you're traveling with a group of friends and you know how they say to n- really know someone you got to travel with them how do you think this exists within the context of friendships maybe like I'm thinking about it and it's either the stakes are too low that uh, maybe flatmates i guess a flatmate would be a a good example of you know you're living with friends and then one person automatically assumes more responsibility than the others but how do you you know juggle that friendship with wanting you know just wanting to live in a clean household for example
2: yeah i think that was a great example with flatmates or roommates i didn't i don't really feel it with my friends in general like that are not, you know, those that I have lived with in the past. I don't feel that same stressors. If anything, they are an escape. Like I use my friends to help me with mental load or just a vent really, right? Um, So I never associated mental load with my friends, to be very honest, but with roommates in the past, absolutely, like roommates in college, roommates in, you know, when you first graduate out of school, you can't afford an apartment by yourself. Like, yeah, there's, you know, the roommate who's, paying less rent than you, you know, who's messy or something, right? Doesn't clean up after themselves. Or or the roommate who brings their boyfriend home, you know, and and I was that person, right? Like my husband now, who was my boyfriend then, I brought him home every single night and my roommate, you know, was like calling him, hey, he's the third roommate. He definitely, you know, I think for her, the way that she tackled it actually, is that she became friends with him. Instead of looking at my husband, then boyfriend, as like a burden, he was like, you know what? If this guy's gonna be around all the time, let me be friends with him. Let's hang out, and that's what happened. They became great friends, actually, even better friends than me and my roommate. So she took that as an opportunity.
0: This is a classic example of if you can't beat him,
2: join him. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> the mental load became like too much, and she was just like, "Screw it, I'm just gonna be friends with him, and let's just let's just like make this a better deal." So, so,
1: so if I'm to take anything from this, the the sort of solution to the mental load is just to let it go.
2: <laughs> um,
0: I would say to embrace it.
1: Imagine the chaos in a, in a home if everyone was to do that. Yeah, <laughs> but I
0: do agree with Natasha though. Um, if I may share my own experience, um, I had to share a flat with someone who was often too busy living her life to clean up after herself. And the amount of time I had to take off my day to keep the house tidy was extremely exhausting and i'm not even a big fan of tidying but if i don't keep things organized i'll end up buying things i already own because i'd be under the impression that i didn't have them to begin with so what i later found out was that this flatmate i had was from a very well-off family who had someone to clean up after her which brings me back to our earlier point in upbringing
1: yeah that's sort of that's pretty much the that's pretty much the worry i would think that exists if you know, we were all to abandon our respective mental loads, no? That things would just get piled up. So, you know, you are mentioning about living with your flatmates and because you like things done a certain way and then they wouldn't, maybe, or maybe they like things a different way and then you guys had that discrepancy in, in expectations. So if you guys were just to abandon all, ex- do you think abandoning all expectations would have been a good way to go about it?
0: Well, I personally think that abandoning Any form of expectations would be very difficult because then we won't be addressing the elephant in the room. So I think the best way to go about it would be to compromise. And this is coming from a first-hand experience. So the roommate I was telling you about earlier, um, she told me that she was going away one weekend. And I had planned on catching up on my readings. But a momentary glance at the unwashed dishes that she left overnight in the sink was the last straw so when she came home that Sunday she yeah she was quite pleased that the uh, you know the flat was really clean but then the minute she found herself being unable to locate basic essentials she went berserk she just she just started going at me and her reasoning was so she found it much easier to find things when they were scattered everywhere like her wires her headphones her books what what have you um, so yeah we had a discussion and <laughs> our solution was she was allowed to keep things scattered but it has to be within boxes so I-, I guess a similar analogy here would be like stuffing everything you can in a closet without raising any suspicion dead bodies whatever so I mean this was a bare minimum but it looked cleaner on the outside so I mean that's a win-win right
2: yeah that's fair so I think. Azalea, you're all a mental load for that something like that, right? Is some is a trait of yours that you would have for the rest of your life. Like you want cleanliness and for, you know with friends, with roommates, with a partner in the future. Like you expect that, right? So it's not just a short term thing, it's a long term thing. So mental load is is not just about like that next action or that to do list for today. It's that to do list like for forever.
1: All right. So just maybe to drive towards a conclusion, we know that this issue exists what might just be the first step of even resolving or even getting some semblance of fairness in dividing up a mental load within maybe a workplace or a household or a relationship
2: communication not letting that resentment build up you know i've gone through that even today with my husband we had a a work related argument and it was because of similar mental load right it's like why you know why haven't you sent this this email out like why do I have to be the one that's chasing you down to do it right it's it, it's and then he's like why are you blowing up at me there's clearly something else that's like bothering you right like you think it's small in the time but once you collect those little small moments it can it can really like blow up so you'd really want to avoid that so I think communication in that time so not only communication but communication in that moment is
0: key yeah and it's important to not keep everything bottled up yeah and it's easier obviously with
2: your partner than it is with a colleague or a roommate But it's, at the end of the day, just like a lot of problems, how a lot of problems are solved, it's communication.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And that's a good point. If I may ride on that point itself, um, transparency is really important because they need to know how you feel. Maybe you could consider not making an effort or less of an effort in certain areas so they realize that you have too much on your plate. Once they start seeing that the house chores have been neglected, their dishes are not washed and beds are not made it will then take them that much to realize that you needed all the support that they could have probably offered in the beginning instead of you know doing everything for them and asking for help only for them to respond with a you should have asked and household chores is a shared responsibility so it's okay to go you should know this is expected out of you. So I feel like those words wouldn't
2: work with my husband. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> anything, oh, no. Anything that starts with you should, he will just like drown out as like white noise. Oh, okay, <laughs> fair, fair. How would you phrase it? So what I've learned over the years of being, you know, together with him is I, well, there's, there might be some crying involved, but eventually I get to this sentence that starts off with, I would like it if you dot, dot, dot. It would be really helpful for me. Dot, dot, dot. It really means a lot to me if you dot, dot,
1: I really dot, like that. I really like that because it's very it's very productive in a non confrontational way and it's almost, you know, you're you're communicating, like you said, the the expectation but in a way that is non combative and also built towards this sort of result.
2: Exactly. It's a win. For both parties, because they are then aware, because they not even be, they may not even be aware of what they're doing. It's giving you a mental load, right?
0: Exactly, and I agree. If it's not in their nature to think about these things, then I guess for them, they think, "Why should you?" Exactly. So it becomes harder for us to convince them that they're, you know, that that we're the ones taking on the burden for them. Like, if I could relate this to my past experience, um, I remember going out with someone who does things on a whim. It was so nerve-wracking to not know what was coming next. And going with the flow only works if you trust that the person has the ability to respond to a situation quickly. But, I mean, for people who are more risk-averse, going with the flow can feel like a constant anxiety attack that never seems to end. Like, in the in that situation, I liked the fact that I was allowed to let myself lose. But being in a position that has no clear boundaries or any sort of definition is kind of intimidating. Especially when it comes to traveling. Like, us ladies, we have so much to think about. I mean, like, do I have enough clothes? Are they appropriate for the occasion? What about my, I don't know, skincare routine? Do I have to bring all 20 bottles? Like, is that going to take up space? As opposed to guys without stereotyping, who probably wouldn't mind reusing the same underwear when push comes to shove.
1: I feel put on the spot.
0: Siapa makan cili dia rasa pedas, iqbal?
2: What's great about a go-with-the-flow partner you know, and at times, not like, I mean, obviously not all the time, but in moments where a partner can encourage you to go with the flow is helpful because that will take off the mental load as well, right? One way is to deal with the mental load in a way that's productive. Um, that will address and solve it. Other way is just to let go of the stress that you don't need to put on your plate, right? Some longer term concerns, you know, that of the the further out to do list tasks that you have, like you know, that go that go with the floor person might be like, "Hey, let's not worry about that until six months from now, twelve months from now." You know, then that can help ease the burden too.
0: Mm, I agree, I agree, but only if they're smart enough to come up with a last minute good going solution. Otherwise, you'll end up having to take on that load, too.
1: That's
2: true. Exactly. Like,
0: when that six months comes and you don't have a plan, then that wasn't that helpful.
1: That's that's funny. The way you guys are actually describing mental load... I... What
0: did you do this time? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's... Okay, so at the very early stages of my relationship, um, you know, I guess it came down to a love language sort of thing where, she, you know, her hers was... Uh, Things getting done like a certain way, or all these things. But for me, it was something as simple as just responding to a text, or um, you know, just saying saying words of affirmation back. And like Azila, you were saying, you know, why couldn't you do this? Why couldn't you do that? That was pretty much the attitude I had towards like, why couldn't you respond to my text? Why couldn't you? reply to me then why couldn't you pick up my call all these things and that expectation or that sort of difference in expectation it's not like my girlfriend then now wife didn't love me or didn't you know want to talk to me it was just that she had different understandings of what a text meant or what a call meant versus what just the same way that you know I don't understand sometimes why she insists that the floors need to be mopped every week or so you know that, that sort of thing uh, it's just a different uh, understanding or different level of importance being placed on certain things
0: that's because you don't mop the floors as well. it's that simple <laughs> i mean what i mean what, <laughs> what? save yourself
1: you what? Don't have to do it every week right? yeah that's because she's
0: mopping it all the time for <laughs> hey, you
1: no judgment. That, thank you so much for joining us today it was such a pleasure to have you
0: thank you
2: for having me it was really fun
0: Thank you, Natasha, for being on the show. And how can our listeners get in touch with you?
2: You can follow me on Instagram at brapreneur.
0: Like
1: entrepreneur.
2: Exactly.
0: Thanks, Iqbal. (laughs) So mature. (laughs) So mature. Got safer. Anyway, thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the He Says, She Says, They Say podcast. And we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to get in touch with us about something that you're interested in feel free to drop us a mail at he she they say at gmail.com and you can also follow us on twitter at he she, they say underscore till next time bye